It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the Bomber Brothers Podcast with Ryan and Sean Chichester. Swung on and driven to deep left. Toward the line, she is gone. Aaron Judge, line one right down the line. Swung on and line to right center field. It is a base hit. Grounding third, scoring kind of from left off. And the Yankees win the ball game with two in the bottom of the ninth. Hit in the air to left center, it is high. It is far, it is gone. It's a grand slam. Oh, a Stantonian home run. Talking all things Yankees baseball. Okay, welcome everybody. We are back. It's been a long while. We might be a little rusty, but this is the Bomber Brothers podcast, a Yankee podcast. We're going to talk all things Yankee baseball all year. We uh, haven't talked under this forum in almost 15 months, but now we're back. Sean, like we said, we uh, might be a little rusty, but... Maybe a little bit like Lucas Lickey, who had pitched for the first time today in you know, four days and the second time in two weeks or something like that. So it was uh, certainly rusty for him, hopefully not as rusty for us, but it's good to be back talking about the first place Yankees. Absolutely. Best uh, best record in, in baseball and second best run differential in baseball. So we know that it's not a fluke. And yeah, I mean, look, Yankees showed a lot of fight today coming back and Lickey hadn't pitched a ton I'm not really worried about about them losing one to the Orioles when they go on the road and win two, three out of four series, which is just great road trip. And they lost their 10th game of the season here on May 19th. So it was it was we almost made it to Memorial Day with single digit losses. Pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah, there there can't be any complaints. Again, I understand losses to the Orioles are frustrating. Those are supposed to be gimme games where you beat up on a team that is so clearly tanking and not calling up some of its promising prospects because they are literally here to lose right now because they're trying to build through the draft and not spend any money. So this is a team the Yankees should be beating up on. They didn't today. That's okay. They take three out of four on the road. That's, that's still good. You could argue that today's game could have went a little different if the, uh, Camden Yards fences were the same as they were last year. Stanton was the victim of that today. Judge was the victim of that on Tuesday. But maybe Judge is a good place to start since we haven't talked in a while. We haven't talked yet this season. We will talk to Sweeney Murdy a little later and play you an interview with him from a little earlier in the season. We wanted to uh, get this up and running a little earlier than it did, but we weren't able to. That's okay. It's going to be a fun chat with Sweeney and it'll be funny to get a little hindsight view of some of the predictions we made for the season. And now here we are a month into the season. And I would say even people who expect a judge to have a big year, he might be still exceeding those expectations. He's neck and neck with Mike Trout in terms of value right now this season. And we all know Trout's having an unbelievable year, even for his standards. So with each passing game, each passing home run, which he leads the league in right now, it's looking like the Yankees are uh, certainly going to have to up that offer of 30 and a half mil a year to keep judging pinstripes. Well, I mean, the Yankees are ready to negotiate. They, they, I wish they got it done before the season. I, but you know, when the offer leaked on open, well, not leaked, but when the offer was told by Brian Cashman on opening day, I, I remember not being too mad about it. I thought it was relatively a fair offer, especially considering it's the Yankees. But um, Judge had to prove this year that he could put together an, a back-to-back solid years because last year was absolutely tremendous, and he's off to a great start. Um, I mean, you know hard to have a much better start to your year when you're, you know, you're batting 306 with a 
with a Woba 446 and just absolutely incredible and steady defense out there in right field. So yeah, up, up the offer. And I know he doesn't want to negotiate, but you know what, if you make him an offer that he can't refuse, that's not a negotiation. He's just saying, yes, there's no need to, you know, you can get around that. Right. And, and you mentioned it was reported that the Yankees are willing to go back to the table and offer judge a little more. And John, it was John Heyman that said the Yankees, have said they'd be willing to go to 31 or 32 million. That's not going to get it done either. Judges making it clear that he's going to command more than that. I mean, for, for context, Francisco Lindor is making what 34 million a year. Correa is making somewhere in that vicinity. Uh, Corey Seager's not too far off that in terms of AAV. So a lot of, a lot of players who judge is clearly more valuable than in terms of, I mean, especially at the plate, but he's also a fantastic fielder. He's been playing a lot of center field for the Yankees this season and playing it well. So, you know, for the Yankees at a franchise that was just valued at over $7 billion a few weeks ago and reported to have made over $500 million in revenue in 2021, they're going to have to pony up some more dough to at least, at least get judged to sign before the season's over and avoid free agency. Cause if it gets to free agency, there will be another team that will throw a ton of money at them that the Yankees will either have to match or let them go, which would you know, of course cause a riot in the Bronx. Yeah. They have to, uh, they have to up the offer and do it quickly. And look, like you said, they're the Yankees. They can take on any contract. The Yankees were made the playoffs multiple years in a row while paying Jacoby Ellsbury to not, be there basically i mean they can they can eat a terrible contract they can pay a great player a lot of money it's fine like i mean look at it this way like take off 20 million whatever you offer him and just pretend you were paying ellsbury that and you'll be all right but i mean <laughs> they gotta they, they have to get this done quickly and i mean there's so much good momentum around the team right now and i feel like i feel like as yankee fans we haven't felt this good since the next man up and even when the next man up stuff, it was also like, but what if we, like, there was like this feeling of, but what if we got everybody back? So we, I kind of felt like we were waiting for something. So, I mean, as a Yankee fan, this is the best I felt since 2017, most likely. And uh, you know, I, I'd love to get judge locked up and that would make me feel like, Hey, we could really keep this going. I mean, I know there's a couple of players like Rizzo who might not be back next year. I mean, we probably shouldn't talk about that in May, but you know, a, a lot of the key pieces of this team that have stepped up are going to be here for, for a while. And, and judge needs to be part of that. Well, judge is the centerpiece of that. He's their most valuable player. He, you can make an argument that he's been the most valuable player in the league so far this season. He's, it, you know, it's, it's a shame you mentioned, having not felt this good about the team since next man up or even 2017 it was after that 2017 season when the Yankees got Stanton and the vision was having both of them in the middle of the lineup just crushing and pacing this offense and unfortunately injuries and the pandemic and like a lot of things got in the way of seeing that out in full force but you're seeing that now and it would be such a shame if we finally see Judge and Stanton at their peak in the lineup both just absolutely destroying opposing pitchers and then for judge to leave in in free agency and he's the face of the franchise he's playing like an mvp the yankees could afford it as much as anybody and obviously more so he's certainly putting the pressure on the front office to uh sweeten that deal and and it certainly needs to be better than 30 and a half million there will be a, a bunch of teams that will offer him more than that some people make the argument about his age that he just turned 30 years old but you know a lot of a lot of teams pay what is considered to be more than you should in the back end of contracts so you can have players for the front end of contracts that's just been the nature of a lot of big deals in in baseball and years and even decades past just look at the a-rod contract just when him and stanton get that old just every other day just rotate one dh is one plays right field it's fine they'll, they'll be all right and yankee stadium right field isn't that hard i mean for a major leaguer for me it would be impossible but it's you know they'll they'll figure out a way to make it work they had 42 year old a-rod on the team as a contributor or for however old he was 41 in 2015 they they'll, they'll figure it out play for the now and then you'll sign another guy when judges at the end of his rope and that guy will pick up the slack and just rinse and repeat that's that's kind of the way that it it, it used to go when, when things were were working out well and we were spending a lot of money
<laughs> you mentioned playing in the now. What, what has it been like for you watching Judge? I know for me, you know, with each passing home run, with each passing 114 mile an hour double, you know, with the walk off home run, his first career walk off home run, it's you know, you, you celebrate it, but for me, there's always a lingering of just this, you know, lingering potential doom of like, man, like this, this could be it. I, it's just like so impossible to imagine this player in anything other than pinstripes. And to think that not only it could be coming to an end if something isn't agreed upon, but to come to an end when he's playing at this level, I mean, that would be absolutely devastating. And obviously the Yankees are the best team in baseball right now. We should be enjoying the here and now. I don't think anything should take away from that, but it's hard not to think about this stuff because this wasn't locked up before the season began. So for me, I've been, I've been really enjoying it. I haven't been thinking about his contract, especially while I'm watching the games. I'll think about it the next day and think about, you know, like when I'm thinking about bigger, bigger picture things for the Yankees, but while I'm watching the game, I'm pretty much locked in on the, on the here and now and really enjoying it. I mean, it's not the same, but when I was a kid, you know, Tino Martinez left the Yankees and he was my favorite player. And ever since then, I've never really looked at a player and like, Oh, that guy might, you know, he's going to be a Yankee for life. Definitely. I, I remember even when Jeter was a free agent, I worried about that. Uh, I didn't think it would happen, but, um, you know, it's not something I think about while I'm watching the games. I really just enjoy it. I really just have a great time watching him mash, watching him play defense. And uh, even though the Yankees kind of have given us reason not to have faith as a fan, you just you have to have faith that they'll they'll recognize that they have to keep this guy. He's the face of the franchise. Um, you know, since since Jeter, he's he's the easily the the most popular Yankee, most marketable Yankee, and they'll have to keep him around. Right. There have been big name free agents that have not been aggressively pursued that have angered some fans but this is obviously a lot different this is a player that the Yankees have already Yankee fans have already seen and experienced in pinstripes and now he's playing at a arguably a higher level than ever before I mean he's right on pace with his historic rookie season in 2017 so it's going to be interesting it's unfortunately going to be a topic for the rest of the season I'd obviously rather just be you know, enjoy, and I am enjoying it, but I'd rather be fully enjoying it without reservation, but it's, it's going to be hanging over the season until if, if they agree on a deal. I mean, this, this could become even more of a topic. If the arbitration hearing gets ugly next month, we'll, we'll see how that goes or hopefully it can be avoided. They're still, they still can agree on a deal for at least his 2022 salary before his hearing, which I think is on June 21st. It's the last hearing in the league this year. So saving a, arguably the best player that's arbitration eligible for last. So we'll, uh, we'll see how, how that goes, but Aaron judge has an expiring contract and, or Aldous Chapman has an expiring contract and he's not, playing. he's not, he's not playing, performing at his best right now. He's allowed an earned run in all four of his last four appearances. He, you know, he wasn't eligible. I mean, he, of course he could have been used, but he had a pretty high pitch count the day before. So he probably wasn't eligible off the bullpen in Wednesday night's win. So we got a look at Clay Holmes for another two innings. And all he did was allow one hit over two innings and just continues to, to dominate. And it's beginning to raise the question of who the Yankees closer should be moving forward. And I thought that was something we, we should talk about. And it's, Yankees are again best team in baseball right now. It's hard to kind of uh find things to debate when things are going so well, but Chapman this is the you know second third season in a row when he's not only showing a downtick in his fastball velocity but showing a significant downtick in just his overall control. I mean, he's always had these sporadic instances where he struggles to find the plate, but he's walking nearly five batters per nine innings over the last 3 years. That number's closer to 6 this year. So at 34 years old, that velocity is only going to get lower. That fastball is going to become more and more human. So, Sean, at what point do the Yankees start to ponder maybe making a change in the back of their bullpen? I think uh, you've kind of seen them start to ponder that change because, you know, like they, they went with Holmes the other night. They've, they've, shot, they've said they're going to use him in situations other than the ninth inning. They, they talked about that. 
Um, and you just, I, you know what, his numbers are actually better than he's been for as bad as he's been lately. I, I think his overall season, every, every save is a, is a heart attack for, for fans. And he, he doesn't make it easy. The control is a problem. The velocity isn't even as big of a problem. He, he walks himself into trouble. And, you know, we saw him walk in a run to lose a game, which was just a horrible decision, but whatever. Um, it, by horrible decision by Boone, that is. But, you know, I, I just, I can't, you know, I, I can't feel comfortable with him in the ninth inning, especially when you have other options out there that that are better in, in a player like Holmes or, you know, even even King or, you know, Luizaga, if they get him going again. There's, there's you know, there's a lot of good options out there. And I, I think, you know, I know he hasn't been good, but, you know, we lost Green today, I think probably to Tommy John. Forearm never sounds good, but we'll see. Um, so we lose another option. So we're going to need Chapman to step up regardless of when he's pitching. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned green had to come out of the game today. As we record on, on a Thursday, he left the game. He left Thursday's series finale. He let gave up a single to Rugnet Odor. And then a couple of pitches later had to come out, said it was forearm discomfort. Anytime you hear forearm, you immediately think UCL and Tommy John, which would be a huge bummer. Green has never been the, dominant bullpen arm he was in 2017 and 18 but he was still good to have a shutdown inning every now and then although also just equally as good to have um a meltdown inning so we'll like you said Loisaga needs to get back to his 2021 form um and if if green doesn't show up chapman's gonna have to get back to his form with the velocity he Last year, his velocity was noticeably down at the beginning of the year, and it started to it started to get back towards his career norm a little more as the season wore along. But still, right now, he's averaging a fastball below ninety seven miles an hour, and it's helping it's helping hitters to sit on his his slider more because he's using the slider a lot more because he's not going to his fastball a lot more. Now his slider has a hard hit rate of almost fifty percent this year, and it's kind of like hitters are sitting on it like Altuve was sitting on it in the twenty nineteen ALCS. So why are you bringing that up? (laughs) So you see, you see those numbers and you just can't help but think about Clay Holmes. Who's allowing half the amount of base runners as Chapman this year. He is Zach Britton 2.0 in a way. He has an 83% ground ball rate. And honestly, with that kind of ground ball rate and the improved infield defense behind him now with Kiner Falefa and also DJ LeMay, who's played an unbelievable third base, even when, Donaldson isn't in the game he made another great play today he's been really good at third you have Rizzo at first obviously a huge improvement over Luke Voigt defensively Torres has been way better at second so you can get those ground balls into into double plays and that's big in late and close games so I'm starting to like the idea of Holmes in the ninth inning like you said the, the Yankees still need Chapman somewhere but maybe that's in a situation in the seventh or eighth inning when there's a couple lefties coming up in in the opposing order who knows but I've never I've never really felt like there needs to be a set closer but Holmes certainly looks at least Holmes is at least somebody who if they come into the game I'm going to feel a lot more at ease about because as soon as Chapman comes into a game I start sweating like he does (laughs) on the (laughs) mound. Yeah, I mean, is is he even the the lefty you want facing lefties? Like Wandy's been nasty again, man. Like Wandy Peralta is awesome, and and you know you have these options, King and Schmidt, and it's just like they're so deep. Uh, they get a little bit shallower without Green, but you know, you just get one of Luizaga and Chapman going, and it's it's going to be really really nice. And and you mentioned how Chapman might not even be the top top candidate when it comes to shutting down lefties. I mean, Clay Holmes has been just as dominant against lefties too, because he's got that, that slider now to complement his power sinker. He said, uh, I think it was last year. He said he was learning from Blake Trinan trying to develop a slider. And it's a absolutely nasty pitch now, especially when you pair it with that sinker. And uh, Michael King is another one with a nasty slider. So the Yankees have righty arms in the bullpen that can get lefties out. So Chapman isn't the clear cut, obvious answer if there's a couple lefties coming up in the order obviously the Yankees are going to stick with him and and you know you you hope he can settle back in we saw this we saw this last year I mean Chapman got off to a historically dominant start to the season through the first two months and then went through that period of 
you know, what was it like eight innings or something where he walked like 12 people and just completely lost the play. And he settled back down after that. But I don't know. Every time he goes through one of these, I get nervous that it's going to be more and more prolonged each time. But uh, you know, that's again with Chapman, it's, it's, it's a nitpick because overall the Yankees pitching staff has been dominant. I, I can't believe we've gone this far into the podcast so far without talking about Nestor Cortez, who is one of the league leaders in ERA. We're seeing him at the stadium tomorrow night. He uh, got that cutter from CC Sabathia and hasn't looked back. He's, I mean, he's a joy to watch. I mean, in a, in a league that's dominated by high velocity and, and sharp movement, it's been so much fun to watch Cortez up there with his 92 mile an hour fastball and his you know, funky delivery deception, changing the timing of his delivery, changing his arm slots and just being a lot more, I don't know, cerebral, I guess you can say on the mound. I, Cortez is my favorite pitcher in the league to watch right now. Yeah, he, re- he reminds me a lot of like older David Cohn, just very inventive, but, you know, doing it from, from, from the opposite side. And it, it's a ton of like, like you said, it's just a ton of fun to watch the timing, watch the arm angles, watch, you know, pretty much all of that and not really understand like, hey, how hasn't anybody figured this out yet? But they're not. And this is two consistent years in a row. And the dude's got a 0.85 whip. Like, dude, that's that's absolutely you know, incredible. He's given up only, only three home runs and 40 innings pitched. You know, he's only walked uh, 11 batters. He's, he's been, been incredible. And 49 Ks, only two behind Garrett Cole. But that, and, that he, and he started is, one less game. That part is, is mind-boggling to me. And we know Cole had a, a rough start and had a couple early hooks, but obviously he's back to himself now. His last six starts have been dominant. He's looking like the Cole that the Yankees signed for – 324 million but like you said i mean with just how different they are in in terms of velocity and just style and the fact that they're neck and neck in the strikeout department i think is fantastic and just one of the best things about baseball is that you can have these two completely different guys find similar levels of success in in such different ways it's so much fun to have them in the same rotation absolutely and you know cole and, and cortez have been been great especially you know Cortez and then Cole lately, but I'm also been, you know, Montgomery and Tyone have been great too. I mean, just for, for who they are, they've been really good. And I've been just so happy to watch Seve. I mean, I know he's, you know, I I know he's got pretty much the highest ERA out of the bunch, but he, he really battled, you know, to, to stay in a couple starts ago and and wind up keeping them in the game. And that's the game where judge hits the the walk-off home run. So He's really showed something here. He's, he's already up to 34 innings pitched and, uh, you know, a three, six, three ERA is, is super respectable. And, um, I think he'll only get stronger and, and better as the season goes on. And it's just great. Every time he lets out a roar and a fist pump or whatnot to, to see him out there again, that makes me super happy. Cause he's, I think he's one of both of our guys. We really pull for Seve. Oh, absolutely. And, not to uh, not to bring the mood down, but before we talk to Sweeney, let's talk a little bit about Aaron Hicks because he was 0 for 4 today, uh, two strikeouts. He's 4 for his last 46. His power has completely disappeared. He's slugging 247 on the season, which is un- unheard of. I mean, he is he is in a bad way right now. So, uh, you know, what do you what do you do about Hicks? He, he I think he told Meredith Morakovitz that he felt like he was chasing results. I feel like that is certainly glaring when you watch him. I mean, you saw some of the huge hacks he took. The strikeout to uh, to Lopez today on that curveball, I mean, he almost swung out of his shoes. Like, it seems like he's really pressing at the plate right now. And just what, what do you think What do you think happens with Hicks? I don't know. And he really looked lackadaisical on that sack fly today, too. I, I think Maven called him out for it. If, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know what, do you give Floreal a look? He's tearing it up in triple a, I mean, the, the, I know he has holes, but he's never been given like a legitimate shot. And how much worse could it be right now than, than what Hicks, Hicks is just giving you non-competitive at bats. And even when he is making contact, his barrels per plate appearance are like 0.8. So so I guess the argument I would make is that I feel like Hicks is still in a way putting together some competitive at-bats. He's always been among the league leaders in, in working full counts. He's been that way since 2018. And he still has, he's still in the 98th percentile in the league in walk rate, which is 
crazy to think about given how badly he struggled. He's he's in the 98th percentile in walk rate, but in the ninth percentile in hard hit rate. So he's just not making contact. But it's such it's such a bizarre situation because it seems like he's kind of seeing the ball well and working the count, but then he just can't finish. He's had 24 plate appearances this season where he's worked a full count. He has zero hits in those plate appearances. He has another 18 where it was a three and one count and has one hit. So it's, it's, it's like, he's still working the count. He's still seeing the ball. He's just, he's just not making contact right now. And you, uh, you mentioned Cameron Mabin. He, I think it was him and Paul O'Neill who brought up his big leg kick and how they think it's, he's trying to generate a little too much from that leg kick. And there's a little too much movement in his stance right now, which is obviously a telling sign that someone might be pressing, but I, I just find Hicks to be fascinating right now. Cause he's still working counts. He still has an OBP of around 340. Like he's still working his walks, but he just cannot make contact when it comes time to finish off in that bat. It's, it's bizarre. Especially when there's runners in scoring position. Oh my God. Have you ever heard of a player with the bases loaded to have a batting average below the Mendoza line? That's, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. Maybe, maybe Mendoza. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Hicks is uh, putting up pitcher pitchers in the box type numbers, even though there's a universal DH now. Yeah. I, 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 I'm worried. And it's, it's frustrating because you saw in 2018, what he could do. You could saw when he came back in the playoffs in 2019, what he could do. And he just has not put it together since getting that contract extension. Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of people bring up his contract because of, you know, the set people see the seven years and 70 million. It sounds like a lot, honestly, a 10 million AAV is not that much. Obviously, obviously you would hope to get more production out of uh, someone making 10 million a year than, than right now. But again, it still seems like he's seeing the ball pretty well in terms of the counts he's working. Hopefully there just needs to be a a minor tweak to where he can start generating some more power because that has completely disappeared. But we, uh, We'll see what happens, but all right. What do you say we uh, play our talk with Sweeney Murray, see how some of our season predictions are going? Not well, but all right, let's <laughs> talk to Sweeney. All right, our first, uh, first podcast under the WFAN umbrella, we obviously had to talk to one of the voices of uh, WFAN, the Yankees beat reporter for the fans. So here is Sweeney Murray. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are joined now by Sweeney Murdy of WFAN. Sweeney, thanks so much for uh, for coming on as you get ready for yet another season on the Yankee Beat. Yeah, it's fun. I'm looking forward to getting started. You know, I guess we weren't sure we were going to get here. You know, back in December or January, but here we go. So let's do it, man. Yeah, thankfully we are here. So before we start running through these predictions, just it's been an interesting off season. I think a lot of people have some strong opinions on what the Yankees did this winter on both sides of the spectrum. So just what's your overall take on what the Yankees did this winter and how do you think it sets them up to compete in what should be a a stacked AL East? Yeah. You know, they're, I guess they're better on certain margins, but it's hard to look at what they were last year and definitively say they're this amount better um, because you're you're counting on some real bounce backs. You really need to, it's not just a whole new cast of characters. You need some real bounce backs, especially from Glaber Torres and DJ LeMayu. Um, those, you know, the Yankees' biggest problem last year was one that you never saw coming. They couldn't score. They really just stopped scoring, and it became an issue. And they pitched very well, uh, but scoring was a problem. Hitting was a problem. Um, so when they didn't go out and fix that in large degree 
um, it, you know, it makes you kind of wonder how they're going to be better. Um, I, I, I think while they probably do need to add pitching at some point, I, th- I don't think it's a terrible strategy to roll with this right now and add as you go forward here, because, you know, and kind of see where you are. Um, Cause they, you know, again, pitching was not their problem last year. They had a lot of good pitchers and their bullpen was spectacular and it will be again. Um, and I think that, you know, they seem to have enough confidence to starting pitchers to at least get them going, get them through this uh, first little bit of the season. Defensively, they made upgrades um, and they all seem kind of marginal right now, but you put a whole package together. They basically have a, you know, remember Anthony Rizzo didn't come over until the trading deadline last year. So they have a new first baseman shortstop and third baseman and essentially a new second baseman, you know, because Glaber Torres is playing short. So they have an entirely new infield that um, is, is an improvement over an infield that wasn't very good at turning ground balls and outs. You just noted infield defense, you could tell for the last couple of years has been kind of an issue for the Yankees. So um, I think they made that area better and that will get that. That's hard to notice sometimes, but it will be noticeable, I think. Um, and then the big question is, you know, Judge and Stanton going to be healthy enough to put up the numbers that you expect them to? Is Joey Gallo going to, you know, show a little bit more of an adjustment and add a little bit more to the you know, the power that we know he has, uh, yeah, can he, can he just hit a little bit more than 220? Uh, because last year he had 160 and can DJ LeMay, go back to being LeMay, and Torres go back to being Torres. And, um, so, you know, that's a little bit all over the place for you. I, I basically think they made some marginal upgrades. I always look at a season. I, I can't ever look at a season and say this, you know, this team or that team is a world series team. I mean, you're six months away from it. You have no idea what's going to happen over the next six months before you get to playoff time. I just look at a team and say, all right, presently constructed, assuming some normal things. Do I think they can win 90 or more games? And I think, yeah, this team is probably in that 90 win category right now. And then you wait to see how things break out and and what happens to everybody else and uh, see what kind of start they get off to. So um, I, I think you just have to start out by saying, okay, are they a playoff contending team? And yeah, they're a contending team. And then you kind of take it from there. And a huge part that's going to determine how far they can go is going to be health. Like you said, there's a number of areas on this roster where health can be a concern, whether it's judge, whether it's the pitching staff outside of Cole. So let's get into some of these predictions. Now let's start with what do you see total IL stints for the Yankees in 2022? Just for context, they set a league record in 2019 with 53 of them to 30 players in total that spend time on the IL. But total stints on the IL for the Yankees in 2022? You know, it's hard to put an exact number because remember, you're going to have long, you know, the, the, they're not doing 10 days anymore, right? It's 50, so it's 15 days. So, you're going to have to think, you know, you're going to have, you might play short for a week while you wait for somebody's injury to heal rather than having to miss an extra week uh, by going on the IL. So, I mean, it'll be lower than that. I haven't done the math on the last few years to gauge it out, but I mean, I would think it's going to be lower than that just because you, you, you know, you have to really think about putting a guy down for 15 days instead of 10. Yeah, that, that's a great point. It, it definitely, you have, you're going to have longer stints. I think with the Yankees having a little more of an established experience with Eric Cressy and his training program, that is also helping some guys stay healthy. So I'm going to go with in the 26 range. You know, you, you bring up a good point, and and this is something that I think that they mentioned in last year. You were – you were probably going to see things. I don't know if getting worse was the right way to put it, but you were probably not going to see a dramatic turnaround right away because you have guys on a new program. And I I think they made mention about this. Like you were probably going to see an uptick in injuries last year because you're changing a guy, you know, the, the entire program until everybody kind of gets used to it and kind of gets the, uh, the rhythm of that. Um, so it was, it was not something that was going to be a one-year turnaround. It was kind of more of like a, um, you know, I don't know if you know, five-year plan is the right way to put it, but it's just something about the idea of 
this is a program we're implementing. And even if there are short-term losses, meaning more injuries, you know, you're doing it for long-term gain as guys get more used to the program and you're able to better implement all your, all your tools and all your, uh, all the things that Eric Cressy brings. So um, I, I wonder how, how quickly that turns around, but you know, luck plays into a lot of it too. If you're dealing with some older players in the thirties, like, you know, like Stanton and Rizzo and Donaldson and Hicks and, you know, guys who have some injury history to them as well. Um, you're playing with that a little bit more and you just kind of got to wait and see. So, you know, there's, there's really no, no, um, there's not a lot of predictability to to that, except maybe in the cases of guys who already gotten hurt and have some, you know, um, you know, have a tendency for that. I I think you saw the benefit too. like Stanton and judge made it through a a full season last year, which is huge. It's the first time since 2018, sorry, 2017 that, that they both largely made it through a full season on skates. So that I think, you know, without that, the season would have been a a total disaster, but I'm a little bit more. Great point really is. And like a lot of it, and, and you have to, you have to remember like when I look at the, I don't remember their exact games played totals, but you know, those two guys are not ideal to play 160 games a year. Nobody is really, but you're building in days. You're giving them days off when they don't necessarily need one so that you don't have to shelve them for a while. Uh, and I know that gets frustrating sometimes when you say, oh, why is this guy sitting? You know, there's their bodies in particular are not made to play baseball every day. And baseball players are less, um, they're less inclined to play every day now than they used to be for a variety of reasons. Um, but those are bodies that you need to take care of a little bit differently and you need to be a little preemptive with it sometimes. And I remember thinking of it in terms of this, like even forgetting about those guys, like let's just say anybody else. A lot of times you used to give a guy a day off when he's like, you know, he's, he's one for his last 12 and you're like, you know, he's dragging, he needs a day off. Well, you know, if, if that's true, then, you know, he's kind of been dragging you down and hurting your team for two or three days anyway. Right. So if you give it, give him the day off before he actually needs it, then you're keeping him fresh and not having those, Oh, he looks like he needs a day off type of days. You're, you're trying to strike that balance of, of knowing when to do it. And, uh, it's not always, it's, you know, listen, you don't always like it. And when a team's, you know, when this, especially a team like the Yankees, you're supposed to win every day. So when the lineup looks a little different because one of your stars is sitting and you have a lot of stars, um, you know, it's, it's going to take, you know, it takes you back sometimes when you look at it, but there's, there's all, there are always reasons to it. And everybody's always just a little bit banged up and can use an extra day somewhere. And the position that usually needs rest most often is catcher where the Yankees have Kyle Higashioka starting this season. And he looked like, Barry Bonds in uh, in spring training with seven home runs. So, give me a number. What do you see from Kyle Higashioka in the home run home run department? Total home runs for Higgy in twenty twenty two. I know you know the tendency is to say like he's a thirty home run guy, but I'm going to tell you he's not going to play enough to get there. Uh, I think they're going to go with a true two catcher model. You know, Kyle Higashioka moving to starting catcher doesn't mean that he's going to catch one hundred and twenty games. I think they're moving more towards like a more like an 80, 80, 90, 70 kind of split over the course of a full season. So uh, I would, you know, I'm going to say he's probably going to top out around 20 because you'll probably uh, maximize his time against left-handed pitching. And he can go like he showed you in the spring how he can get hot for a little bit. So he might have like a multi-homer game or a spurt where he hits, you know, like four in 10 days or something like that. So I wouldn't think it would go beyond more than like 18 or 20, just because I don't think the playing time will lend itself to more than that. Sean, what do you got for Higgy? I got him right at 15, right, right below that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good number. I'm, I'm going 24. I think there's, I mean, he had his highest hard hit rate of his career last season, 47% last season. And he seems to be raving about working with Josh Donaldson, helping him hit so that there could be something to that too, to get him a little more pop. I'm, I'm going 24 home runs. I think what's really going to be key for, you know, if you, the Yankees used to have guys and a lot of times they're the catchers or backup catchers, things like that guys who went ninth in the lineup. Right. And those I'm thinking like Austin Romine had one of these years and uh, Francisco Cervelli had one of these years. And it seemed like they were always coming up big hits or guys on base or driving runs. And it's really dependent on the rest of the order, especially the top of the order, because think of it this way. If you're a pitcher 
and you know that Donaldson, Judge, Rizzo, and Stanton are the top four hitters, let's say, and they're all healthy and they're all playing well. And you know, Donaldson's Donaldson's hot and Judge is right behind him, and he's Judge no matter what. And if that's what you're staring at as a pitcher, and you got Kyle Higashioka in the nine hole, you know, you're not gonna mess around a lot. You're gonna throw him, you're gonna you're gonna try and get him out, right? So you're you're not you're not afraid to challenge him. You're going to throw him some strikes. And if Higashioka is paying attention, which most of these guys do, you're going to look for a fastball early in the count and try to smash it. And that's when you get opportunities like this. So, um, I, again, I go back, you know, plenty of years when guys in the nine hole would get big hits. And it's not that those guys are stars necessarily. It's that, you know, pitchers are going to be afraid of turning the lineup over with men. Last thing you want to do is fall behind the nine hitter two and zero, and end up trying to walk him and give him, put him in a spot where he's, you know, you're sending, you're either giving him a cookie to hit or you're walking him and turning the lineup over again. So it's a, it's an important spot and it's, it's a spot that gets amplified at the top of the order is healthy and, and doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's a great point. And obviously one of the key bats at the top of the order is going to be Stanton uh, but let's let's look over at his focus in the field for now. What do you see total games in the outfield for Giancarlo Stanton in 2022? He played 26 in the outfield last season. And, 20, and he didn't play his first one until like July 30th or 31st mm-hmm. around there. So you figure, um, I, is it 55? Like a, you figure 10 games a month, give or take. Um, that might be a decent number. I still think uh, I, I go back to, I understand why people wanted him out there and it does help your flexibility. And you really need to be sure if you're the Yankees that his body could physically handle the toll before you did that, because you, you really couldn't afford to get him hurt. And if you remember his first year here in 18, he had a hamstring injury that really prevented him from being in the field. And it probably could have been, an IL injury, except the Yankees were already down with judge who had broken his hand and they were, you know, they need to keep the bat in the lineup and he needed to stay in the lineup. So he DH'd every day and um, you know, he kind of measured that hamstring when he was on the bases and he played 160 games because he DH'd every day. That's how you keep that bat in the lineup. Um, but he showed last year that he was healthy enough to handle it. And um, that's really the big key. If, if you think back, I think back to Jason Giambi, who always used to talk about how he, he always said he liked playing the field better and that he always felt like he was hitting better there than he was DH. But my recollection of Jason Giambi being a DH was when it was usually when something was bothering him, you know, if it was like his back was bothering him or if his foot was bothering him or, if, you know, if he had some sort of issue, then he'd be DH. Well, that means he's already physically compromised to some degree, even when he's batting, um, so if you're talking about playing the field, it means your body's feeling better. So naturally you're going to feel better at the plate. So I think there's a little bit of a, you know, I, I don't know if cause and effect is the right phrase for it, but I just think you have to be aware that, you know, even though a guy says he, he is overall better when he's playing the field, it's not just putting him in the field. It's having him be healthy enough to put in the field and take advantage of his whole, whole game. Yep, yeah, I think I think that's a good number. I'm I'm going I'm going 59, just one for each home run he hit in 2017. What about you, Sean? <laughs> 44, 44. Ooh, okay, going low. Yeah, going going low, which which I guess makes sense if you have a full. Sounds season like you're building gallon. in an injury stint in there. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, who knows what you get out of Hicks, and if if he's healthy, then then that kind of forces some some playing yeah. time away from needing Stanton in the outfield. So. All right, let's uh, let's move on to first base and let's do away with specific numbers for a second. Let's say, uh, Sweeney, starting with you, who hits more home runs in 2022, Anthony Rizzo or Luke Voigt? Ah, good question. Um, you know, I, I guess I should think about, you know, well, I know who's going to hit more foul home runs. I know Anthony yeah. Rizzo. <laughs> Anthony Rizzo, I think if I could, I'm going to try my best to keep track of that number this year, you know, watching his at bats because he, he had so many foul home runs last year. It was amazing. Um, I, I hope Boyd has a good year. Um, I would, I, I think Rizzo is one of these guys though, that is the bounce back guy I'm talking about. He's turned it down for a few years, uh, new hitting coaches here, uh, lefty bat the stadium, 
Um, let's. I'm going to give Rizzo a vote of confidence here. Although I hope I hope Voight really has a good year. What about you, Sean? I'm I'm also going Rizzo. I think the short porch will. I I know he does hit the opposite way quite a bit, but the short porch is going to sway my vote there. Yeah, I'm I'm going Rizzo as well. You still have the health concerns with Voight. Now you have a full season of Rizzo in the AL East, and the Camden Yards fence was not pushed back in right field, so he can not still he can still go deep there. So I'm going to go Rizzo too. So that's a uh, that's unanimous for everybody. Uh, so, oh, speaking of Camden Yards, this one this is a fun one too. Let's uh, again, Sweeney, starting with you. How many losses do the Yankees have against the Orioles this year? Because that was a killer for them last year. Yeah, and you know what's funny too? Like I just did a show um, with John Sterling and Joe Castiglione, the Yankees and Red Sox announcers, and Will Fleming, one of the other Red Sox announcers. Um, and one of the things, one of the topics that I brought to them was that the Orioles, as bad as they're going to be, are going to have a lot to say potentially about who wins the AL East, not just because they play everybody 19 times, but the final, their final 10 games of the year – I think are four against Boston and three each against New York and Toronto. I mean, you know, if, and if those three teams are going wire, you know, down to the wire for playoff spots, as we kind of assume they will, you know, every game against the Orioles is going to be important. And, you know, the problem isn't like how many games the, you know, we, we know like, like if they're just going to be like last year, we know the Orioles are going to lose like 110 games. Right. But that means they're still winning 50 and where where they win those fifty is is you know that's a lot. That's you're still winning fifty games, and that means that in a three game series they could still beat you two out of three, as we saw last year. I think the Yankees were eleven and eight against Baltimore a year ago. Yep, um, and that was you know that's clearly what was the difference between you know hosting the wild card game and, and not hosting it. Um, I think um, I would. Uh, here's my prediction ready they're gonna win 14 games against the orioles but i predict that the radio station will explode after every one of those five <laughs> losses i'd say that's the most accurate pick so far of all the things we've done uh, what about you sean i'm gonna uh, five losses i'll say only five all right so you're you're with sweeney that means mm-hmm. they win 14 I'm, I'm gonna say i'm gonna say they lose six it just they've I don't know. Last season was so frustrating. Maybe I'm still scarred by it. And I, and I do expect the Orioles to be a little better. I I think they have to start showing some evidence that their whatever process this is, is starting to show some kind of sign of, of getting better. So I'll I'll say six. I'll I'll tell you something else too. Like just based on like the psyche of the fan, I know there's going to be like one of those games that they win, let's say they're going to be trailing and then come from behind to do it. And you're going to be like, Oh my gosh, we almost lost because so-and-so got knocked down the third. Okay. But it was a win. There's going to be another game where they, you know, they, they, maybe they, uh, they lead like say seven to two, they give a couple of runs, they end up winning seven to five. It was a win, but Oh my God, they scored three runs against their bullpen. We almost lost. You know, there's, there's going to be those moments. Those are the kind of the fun ones. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Let's go to another X factor here for the Yanks. Um, Let's say Luis Severino, how many starts does he make in 2022? He made eight, what did he make? Uh, 18 in 2018? Um, no, he, sorry, he made 32 in 2018. That was his last, last full season. And since then, he's only made three. I'm going to go with 27. Let's say uh, it gives you time to maybe miss a turn or two because of an injury or, or, or skip them a couple of turns because of innings or whatever else. Um, listen, he looks great right now. And I know people got scared a little bit because of you know, the soreness and there's always like some sort of vagary around hearing that term and you get scarred because of the other injury stuff that they go through. But, you know, he was throwing 97 he needed an extra couple of days. They didn't shut him down. Remember, they just said, well, let's just, why don't you throw a bullpen today? And we'll, you know, which is like, you know, throwing like maybe 25 or 30 pitches. And then you push back your other, your, your start and your full day of work another couple of days. And again, he was throwing like 97, 98 and got his pitch count up. I mean, he's healthy. And I don't know how to measure out like what he's going to be in June, July or August, but right now he's healthy. So you just, you know, you roll with that and you remember, try to remember how, how really good he was. Uh, and you hope that he gets back there again. So I, I, 27 sounds like a number for me. 
All right. What about you? I think the Yankees, I think Yankee fans would love 27 stars from Severino. What do you think, Sean? I'd sign up for that. I I think they'll probably will be very careful with him. Uh, I I had 21 written down. I I think you might see a couple, you know, a couple skip starts anytime they have the opportunity because, you know, like Sweeney, you just said he's so electric when he is healthy that you really want to make sure that he's there in in October. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I was gonna say twenty two. I'd go a little lower than twenty seven. Like like you said, the Yankees have depth. They'll probably be very careful with Severino, especially as you get down the stretch of the season. If he starts showing any kind of fatigue, you'll theoretically have Domingo Herman back, and he can start slot slotting into some starts. So I'll go twenty two for Severino, and hopefully it's a full basically uninterrupted twenty two starts, and it's just abbreviated because it's out of precautionary reasons, but. Let's uh okay, let's end uh let's end on another obscure one that was just added in a couple days ago in light of recent news, Sweeney. How many at bats does Greg Bird get in in twenty twenty two? Uh that's a good question. Um you know, a lot of it's gonna be dependent on, you know, uh the health of the Yankees, you know, and that one's hard to hard to describe because you know it's if somebody else, like if Josh Donaldson gets hurt, what's the corresponding move there? Like, how do you look at that? Um, you know, how do you shuffle pieces around? Do you necessarily need, you know, the, uh, like a first base DH type of bird or like, or let's say Giancarlo Stanton gets hurt. Is that an opening for, for bird as a first base DH type? Because you might have an extra outfielder or, you know, with, uh, with Mar, you know, Marvin can play the outfield, stuff like that. Um, I don't know. So, um, I guess, you know, I, listen, I'm a big fan of Greg bird and, and I, and I know a lot of the stuff he's gone through. Um, and I, and it's, and it stinks because years ago, you know, he, it's not like he wanted to get hurt and it's not like he doesn't want He didn't want to be a star for the Yankees. Um, he, he ran into a lot of bad luck and he's trying to get his way through that. So, um, I, I think people mistook that for some sort of lack of effort or desire. I mean, I mean, nobody wants to be hurt, right? I mean, you want to play, you want to make money, you want to do your thing. So uh, I never understood people who, who thought he was, uh, you know, being soft and not wanting to play. Um, he just, you know, has had some bad luck with the injuries. Uh, let's, uh, I would like to think he's probably got a stint in him somewhere. Let's say 65 at bats. All right, Sean, Greg Bird, that's that's your boy. You've you were loved Tino Martinez growing up. Now you a lefty lefty swinging first baseman is back. I mean Rizzo's there too, but you always loved Bird when he was coming up. So Yeah, I just what, I, I when, yeah, when he came up, I was so excited just to have the the left-handed power hitting first baseman. It, it feels that the Yankees feel right when they when they have that, I I, I feel like. And you know, like you said, so like the guy was playing on they he didn't know it, but on a broken ankle in, in the beginning of 2017. And yeah man, I'm, I'm not a hitter, but I assume you're trying to push off with, with that. It's, it's gotta be, gotta be a killer. Um, yeah, I, I think like somewhere around like 60, 70 at, at, at bats. I mean, uh, you know, who knows with, with them maybe losing players when, oh, and, and I know Rizzo had a back thing last year. So I, I think there's probably going to be an opportunity for him. And, and I hope he gets a chance to, to kind of prove himself to the people that kind of unfairly were, were, uh, on, on his case. I, and that, that tends to happen, right. You'll, where you'll see a guy get an opportunity and and something kind of, kind of fun happens. And he was great last year in the minors. I mean, had a good spring training had a good year in the minors stayed healthy. Here's the thing. If, it, if it's an, if it's a lot more than the numbers we're throwing out there, that's probably a good thing for him. Like that means he's performing. It means they're not, you know, it, it means a bad thing for somebody else because somebody got injured, but it means that they're not cutting bait with him and trying somebody else. If he's getting, you know, if he's getting 200 bats, it means he's earning 200 bats, not just because they don't have anybody else out there. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, strong spring, 960 OPS this spring, which, you know, of course, take that with a grain of salt because he's had some absolute monster spring trainings with the Yankees before. And then and then he got hurt. Um, I'm I'm a little little more on the pessimistic side. I was going to say something like 30, 35 at bats, Mm -hmm. maybe a short stint. I think it would be cool just to see him in pinstripes again and and really just hoping for a healthy season from him. Um, But yeah, that's those are all our predictions. Sweeney, thanks so much for. for joining us and we'll see how these these predictions pan out as we get ready for uh, the long grinding 162 game season.
Yeah, I'm usually over on all my predictions. I don't like making them, but hopefully uh, you don't burn me with these later on. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, hopefully, it's uh, hopefully it's just a fun season to watch and talk about. And you know, I know we sat where everybody was sitting there in December and January, not knowing if you were going to get to talk about it. Well, here it is. It's coming. Uh, we got delayed a little bit because of weather, but it's fine. Baseball season's here, and uh, I hope you all have fun watching and talking about it. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, thanks again to Sweeney Murdy. Again, we talked to him a a little while ago. We were hoping to get this uh, podcast up and running a little earlier, but thought it would still be fun to play that for everybody and in, in a way even more funks now we get to see where our heads were at heading into the season and where we're at now just over a month in with the Yankees having the best record I know for me the one I feel the worst about I can't believe I said Higashioka can hit around 25 home runs because the Yankees are getting absolutely no offensive production out of the catcher position I mean Hig- Higgy has been dreadful at the plate after leading after being one of the league leaders in home runs in spring training he he has absolutely no power and we had some people raving about his hard hit tendencies that were developing since last season and that that is just not that is just not materializing i mean jose trevino's got the only yankee home run for a catcher the yankees were the last team to get a home run out of the catching position and meanwhile gary sanchez is hitting relatively well but i i do have to say that the yankees defense behind the plate has been noticeably improved the yankees pitching has been noticeably improved so um i'm not sure exactly how to quantify all of that together but i you know i i think when you look at the big picture there's not a lot to complain about but it would be nice if hicks i mean if i'm six it would it'd be nice if um higgy could have carried that uh bat from spring training over to the regular season of course but hey we got some right like uh or got some you know positives like i think rizzo uh definitely is going to have more home runs than Voigt, it looks like <laughs> yeah. so yeah, Voigt was struggling with injuries again over in San Diego this season. Then he came back and went three for five with two home runs. And I was like, oh, maybe he's about to go on a tear and, and make this interesting. But I, I think it's comfortable to say that we're for all three of us who picked Rizzo to have more home runs than Voigt, we're, uh, we're looking pretty good in, in, that, uh, in that regard. And also looking pretty good in the Severino predictions, the stand in the outfield predictions. I think the biggest contributor for the Yankees success this season you know it's not just Judge being an MVP it's not Stanton playing like the MVP he was in 2017 but the Yankees are just you know injury to green today aside they're a healthy team yeah that's that's probably the thing we had like I feel like as a fan base the Yankees haven't talked Yankee fans haven't talked about enough this is the first year where they're really 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 healthy um, for almost a t- full two months now, knock on wood. But I mean, they've been, you know, they, uh, like you said, aside from the green injury and, you know, Ben, I can't pronounce his Roared name. Vet. Roared vet. They, you know, they, they've stayed healthy and, and that's what's really making a big difference this season is that you're not having a, a two week stretch without judge or without Stan or without, you know, LeMahieu. You you have all of your big horses. Nobody's missed the start. Um, and you know, you're going through one of the longest stretches. So, um, you know, I think one of the things that Sweeney did bring up was, was talking about, you know, injury prevention, like give a guy a day off before he's too worn down and, and, you know, taking time for some of these programs that the new strength and conditioning coaches have implemented to work. And we kind of saw the end of the end of last season, the Yankees were at full strength for the most part. Right. 
So uh, we've, we've kind of seen that at play. Uh, this will, you know, we're, we're now in several, you know, about a season and a quarter of, of getting pretty much all of judge and, and, and stand together. So that, that's pretty exciting. I hope it keeps up. Um, we know there'll be a hammy or a quad or something that pops up here or there, but we're, we're going along pretty well. And that's, that's a major factor, probably the pitching and then, then just the health of the lineup are, are the two biggest factors. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, knock on wood for continued health. The Yankees certainly look like uh, a legit contender right now. They're the best team in baseball. They are playing that way they're beating up on bad teams they've also beaten some good teams like the blue jays so it's an exciting time to be a yankee fan and it's an exciting time to talk about the yankees so we're going to be doing this twice a week if you like what you heard remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and give us the good rating if we are so deserving but uh sean good to talk to you again under this forum obviously we're brothers so we've talked several times since we last had this podcast but i will see you (laughs) i will uh i'll see you tomorrow at the stadium tomorrow we get to see nasty nestor in person i am pumped and i am pumped to go watch the absolute best team in baseball who uh almost made it to memorial day with single digit losses so that's that's pretty freaking awesome even though they delayed the season by one week so um thanks everybody for listening and let's go yanks let's go yanks we'll talk to you everybody soon